He was a drug addict. And I mean, really bad. So that the kids were really being neglected. And so she has a friend who was also a drug addict. And she didn't want her kids anymore. So she gave her kids to her friend to care for. And they had a little bit better of a life, but not much being cared for by this friend. And then one day, this friend decided she didn't want them, and they weren't her kids. So she stripped these kids completely naked and because she had bought them the clothes that they were wearing, and she kicked them out of the house, ages five and seven. And authorities found them under a tree with no clothes on. And so these are the kinds of situations that they deal with, and we're going to have this opportunity to just love these kids and to minister some healing to them. So if you want to participate, we have a sign-up in the lobby, and I just want to encourage you to take advantage of that. There's 30 kids. We cannot have enough volunteers, even if it's one-to-one or if we have more volunteers than we do have kids. Please sign up. It's going to be so fulfilling for us and for them. And so anyway, thank you in advance for signing up for that, and thank you for the Build-A-Bear contributions. Thank you, Shelby. This is um, this is good outreach, isn't it? I uh, I would like to be there when some of those kids hear hear um, mom or dad's uh, voice do a bear. I I just think that would be that would be amazing. So uh, so yeah, I'll jump in, help with these kind of things. So <clears throat> I've been getting some flack for my jacket. But I just want you guys to know I feel pretty. <laughs> so there. No, it's not Linda's. I got that a lot earlier. So I want to tell you where the uh, I want to tell you where we're at with the building stuff. Um, so we've been talking to a lot of banks, uh, working this through, and, and the best, the closest we've gotten with this is um, within about 300,000 of what we need. And, and it would be kind of a, well, maybe we could step out there and do that, but that's a, that's a big number to try to figure out how to make up the gap, okay? And so as of right now, I mean, we've got one more bank that's supposed to give us information this week, but we're assuming it's going to be um, like the others. I mean, we've been praying that God would do what he wants to do here. And so if we cannot get the financing right now, we know that, we know that we can pay for this. Uh, we know we can do this. Um, we've been tracking financially with all of this for um, not not for quite a few years, knowing that we can do this. But the banks are very nervous. A lot of banks are closing all over the country. Uh, we understand this, actually, all over the world. And um, and so we're just trusting God. God, you you do what you want to do, and we will we will do that. Uh, if we get the financing, we will build. If we don't, we will. Th- this is what our plan is right now. We're just going to continue to put money into the, to the uh, building fund. We're doing that at, a, at an aggressive rate. We're, we're going to set some different numbers in the uh, next board meeting. But this is what we have been doing for a long time. When I got here <clears throat> 11 years ago, we owed $1.2 million. We, we added about 50000 to that over this last year and a half, uh, we did almost a million dollars worth of work, and we only added about 55000 or something like that to the, 
to our debt, and so we cashed the rest out. We cashed out almost 800000 in the process um, and got all this stuff done by cash. And so we know where we are. We know where we're tracking. We feel good about this, but we can't get the financing. So we're just going to put money into the bank as, as fast as we can. We're going to continue paying. We owe around $300,000. we are going to continue to pay that um, at aggressive rate. We, I think we're paying um, right at 7000 a month on that. Um, the payment's much, much less than that. But we're, we're doing two things. We're going to be paying that, but we're also going to be putting money into the building fund. Paying that note down doesn't help us quite as much right now as having extra money in the building fund. Okay, the banks want that cash sitting there to be able to do this. So we're going to aggressively do that at about ten to 12000 a month. Um, we're going to be putting money into the bank, um, our, our money into our account. <clears throat> and um, what that does is that shows the banks... What is that? Uh, almost 20000 that we'd be paying every month that we can do that. Now, we also, uh, over the last year and a half, uh, we've been paying... Um, where is Russell? I wanna, oh, he was first service. Um, I want to make sure I'm right about this. We were paying, we've been paying for months and months now with all the infrastructure and everything we've been doing around 29000 a month um, on everything. So we know we can pay the note. That's not a problem. Um, we're just going to put that into the bank as fast as we can. And we may come up with some projects. Like we had to do our heaters. We had to do our air conditioners. We've done some lighting stuff. We're, we're probably going to have some projects along the way that we know are part of the building that we're going to do to this facility because it's old. And um, we have to do some things. So we're going to do some of that as we, as we go along. And we'll let you know what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and, and whether um, – because we'll, we'll want – everybody to give to that, and it would be like giving to the building fund um, if you would rather do something like that rather than just give straight into the building fund. But that's where we are, and so we're just going to keep pushing as forward as fast as, as we can, as much as we can with all of this, uh, putting as much money in there. And if you have any questions about that, come and talk to me, Pastor Rick. <clears throat> um, you can talk to the board we have three new board members. Uh, we'll be bringing them up to speed. They're not going to know as much of over the last uh, two or three years of what's been going on um, because they've just been voted in. But uh, within, a, within the next board meeting, they'll be up to speed and know everything and, and uh, be able to answer your questions too. So anywhere along the way, come talk to us, see what's going on, and uh, we'll, we'll just keep you um, as, as, um, as much information as we, as we know, we'll keep you in, in the loop of that. We do know that building costs have started coming down, um, for what it was two years ago when it went so high. That's what forced us to not be able to build then. Um, but they're now coming down. And so now the banks are nervous now that the building costs are coming down. So one of these days we're going to build something. <clears throat> That's the plan. Um, I want us to pray for Israel real quick. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention much to the news. The last three or four days have, have gotten really bad over in Israel. Uh, um, Israel took out uh, two of the top um, Al-Qaeda um, leaders, and Palestinians have been bombing Israel like crazy. The last I saw was somewhere, somewhere around 550 um, uh, missiles that they've shot into uh, Israel. Now, Israel has this Iron Dome that is some of the best technology on the planet, um, but it has failed in a few locations, and they have to immediately restock it all and get it all done. And because of that, there's been some soft spots and areas, 
and, uh, and Israel has taken some casualties in the, in the mix of this. I, and I do want to mention this. I try to, I try to mention this regularly to us so there's no confusion. I, I hear this a lot more nowadays. I, I'm hearing this more and more um, in just, you know, conversation and stuff like that, that, that people are making sure that they um, tell us, people like me, that, well, there's two sides to this story, and Israel is just as bad as the Palestinians. Um, that's not true. Okay, let me, let me help you with history. Uh, if you're my age, you remember this little short guy named uh, Yasser Arafat. He was a terrorist that started something called the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO, and basically started attacking Israel. And the reason that he was up against Israel uh, is because all the other Arab countries had kicked him out did not want him in their country and all of his followers, and so they went up and started attacking Israel. They are squatters and terrorists. They do not own that land. It has never been their land. That's a lie that CNN and MSNBC tells. The, this is a terrorist organization that now, 40 years later, has been accepted into mainstream uh, thought process that they are a, a group of people that deserve that land also. And it's not true. So be careful uh, when, you, when you just listen to it. Here's the thing. If CNN is saying it, assume it's wrong. Okay, seriously, assume that you're getting wrong information, uh, intentionally misleading information. It, that is Israel's land. It has always been. God gave it to them. And then the United Nations, before it was the United Nations, gave it back to them in 1948. Okay? Now the United Nations are against Israel as much as any group out there. They hate Israel. And so Israel, the Scripture says, God blesses them that... Uh, God will bless them that bless Israel or curse them that curse Israel. Scripture also says, pray for Israel every day. So let's pray for Israel. God, we lift them up to you. Lord, we know that they have always been under, under direct conflict. Lord, even before they were a country, they were, they were being hunted all over the world at different times, the, the most recent with the Nazis. And God, we know they're still your people. They are your people. So God, we acknowledge that. We humble ourselves before that truth. And uh, Lord, we stand for Israel in all circumstances. Lord, we ask you to take care of them, protect them, and bless them. And we thank you. We know that's the center of Scripture. Lord, help us never take our eyes off of Jerusalem. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's Mother's Day. <clears throat> I love Mother's Day. That's why I dressed up. Somebody in first service said, so what, you could look like a mother? And I resent that. <laughs> um, in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to go there, but I, I, I want to think about Mother's Day just a little bit. See, this is, um, this is something I think we don't... Um, well, I think we do this with a few things in life, but I don't think we put enough, em enough emphasis and importance on certain things. And I think one of those things is being a parent. This is not just something that we get to do. It's not something that um, 
that, um, that we created. This is important, okay? We did not create parenthood. We didn't create motherhood. God designed this. God created this. And this is, a, this is a supernatural thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just a physical thing. And this is, this is vitally important for us to understand. I, I think there's something about being a mother that is, that is not equaled by anything in society under any circumstance. Which also, by the way, is why uh, Satan attacks it so much. Satan hates the idea of motherhood. Because you... you, you well, and, and you know, guys are part of it too. But you get to co-create with God. You ever thought about that? That that when a mommy loves a daddy, they get to co-create. Right? That there's nothing else like it on the planet. And being a mother, now I really like Father's Day because I'm a father, but being a mother to me is a is a complete category by itself. And I think I don't I don't want to say this too strongly, but I think there's a possibility that being a mother is even a more sacred calling than being a father. The father, yeah, he's the head of the house. He's the priest. And there's a lot of responsibility the dad has. But a mom, there's something about a mom that is different. It is totally different. And I didn't, I didn't understand that um, years ago. Kids don't understand it when they're growing up, right? Because moms irritate as much as they don't. But we understand that. When you're a kid, sometimes you can be so mad at mom. Let's face it, when you're an adult, you can be mad at mom. Right? One of the things that I have found is moms don't quit being moms just because you turn 18. In fact, um, from about 18 to 25, they kind of ramp it up a little bit, it feels like, right? To the point where it can be obnoxious. But you know what? God designed them that way. God created them to be that way. Whether you like it or not, God created him. Look at this, Genesis chapter 2. Now, usually this is scripture we use for marriage. I want to show you something here. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from a man. Now, verse 24 says, this explains. So what is this? What I just read. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she'll be called woman because she was taken from a man. This explains, all of that explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. This is something that kind of escapes us sometimes. Mom, this is the foundation for, for the rest of this message. Okay? This is the foundation. A man leaves mom and dad and, and clings to his wife, connects with his wife, and those two become one, and they spend the rest of their life one. So mom, guess what? Your responsibility as you're rearing your children is to make sure that they understand that someday they're going to leave you. That's foundational. Children are not supposed to cling, specifically males. Do you realize it doesn't say this about females? Nowhere in Scripture does it say this is why a a woman leaves her mother and her father. Now, we get all the, you know, the jokes, the comedians, all the stuff that, um, 
that uh, his, you know, his mother-in-law and the mother-in-law jokes and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've told some wonderful mother-in-law jokes over the years, but I always feel a little guilty because my mother-in-law was perfect. And I tell a mother-in-law joke, and then I'm like, God, I'm sorry. I know that's not who she is. But the joke is always his mother-in-law is the problem, right? But that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says her mother-in-law potentially is the problem. Because he is supposed to leave mom and cling to a different woman. And moms are like, I refuse to accept that. <laughs> so how does this define being a mother? Mothers, you're given a huge responsibility. You, you are... You, see, this is one of the things that I think is absolutely amazing. And Olivia there is a great example of this. How old is the baby? Two weeks? See, here's the thing for me. Do you realize that you, I, every single one of us in here grew inside of another human? That's absolutely amazing to me. Dads never get to experience that. Not that we really want to, but I don't see dads standing in line for that. But there is something about that, that you and I grew inside of another person. Every one of us. We grew inside of another person. That's supernatural. That's miraculous. That's amazing. That's a God thing, and God can do that, and humans cannot without his help. God did this. And then God gives the mother the ability to feed and give nutrients to the baby. I've always been amazed by that. And here's the thing. is This is why as, as women... That specifically women, I don't I hate to use this term, but breastfed. Women that, that fed their children that way, um, they, uh, that's, why they're, that's why when they get older, they're, they have less calcium and the bones potentially can kind of become brittle if they don't, if they're not really careful about that. Because that child took from them and continued to do that. <laughs> so here's the reality. In fact, I had a pastor when I was, let's see, we would have been, um, we would have been 23. Linda was pregnant uh, with our oldest. My pastor came to me, I was his youth pastor, and he came to me and he said, because Linda was getting bigger, and, um, and he said, you need to pay close attention to what I'm going to tell you. He said, she is willing to let her body be completely changed forever so you can have children. You better respect her body the rest of your life. Amen. And at the time, at the time I thought, well, of course I will. <laughs> but you get older. And you have more children and all the things. And it's not just your physical body. It's everything. Children just suck the life out of you. <laughs> Am I right? But there's something about being a mother. Something about being a mother that's so totally different than being a dad. And by the way, we're not designed to be the same. That, that's why 
um, single parent households, they're doable and God will give grace and mercy to make that happen. But that's not how God wired it. It's not how he designed it. That's why there's extra struggles in those kind of settings. Because that's not how God um, designed us to operate and interact. First thing here, number one, God created mothers in his image. Mothers. Not just men, but he created mothers in his image. Everything about a male and a female, God created in his image. Now, don't misunderstand. Let me make sure I say this because there is a lot of weird stuff going on out there theologically in the church world. There is, God still is in the masculine form. That's very clear in Scripture that it's never changed. So when we use the term he for God, that is the correct term. To use the term she for God is not a correct term. And it's an undermining of what God said about himself. Okay, so let's not play those, those silly little theological games. God's a he, all right? But he is so big and so transcendent and so supernatural that he can provide, when he, when he creates human beings, he created everything that a guy needed to be and he created everything that a girl needed to be in his image from him. And I know there's even language, some of you probably never even heard this, but this, I'm just making sure in case you come across this, you understand this theologically. I know that in the Hebrew, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that the Hebrew has an essence of uh, the feminine article included within the title of the Holy Spirit. But that, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's the woman. If you hear that, reject that. That is not scriptural. That's not theologically sound, but there's, there's people, there's famous people that are writing books about this stuff and, and shouting this, that God's the dad and the Holy Spirit's the mom and that is stupid. Don't believe that stuff, okay? Um, God created us, the three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit created us in his image, in their image. And he created women that way. He created men that way. So he says, God created, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings. Now, in, in King James, it says man. God created man. But it doesn't just mean male. You'll see. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now, you say, well, that just means lots of men. No, it doesn't. The next sentence says male and female, he created them. God created male and female in his image. So all the things that makes a mom unique and wonderful and special, God created that. God made that. Some of the things that, you, that may irritate you about your mom, God created that too. You know that, right? I know we know this, but it's difficult. Here's one of the things that most people don't ever want to hear. And I'm just talking to the women. One day, you're going to look in the mirror, and you're going to realize you're your mom. Some of you are like, I'm leaving. I, I, Linda and I have joked about this. The kids have joked about this. Linda's mother's name is Sandy, and I call her Sandy all the time because she reminds me of her mother. She's her mother's twin. In fact, we hadn't been married very long at all. And one time she, she came in and she put on these glasses that she had found. She hadn't worn them in years. And she put on these glasses and walked in. I was struggling because I saw Sandy. I didn't see Linda. I couldn't see Linda. In fact, I couldn't kiss her until she took them glasses off. 
some of the things that are, that are very special about mom is what makes you special. And some of the things that irritate you the most about mom is what is in you. That's why it irritates you so much. Because it's you. But you know what? I don't think it's a bad thing. Oh, it can be irritating. You're like, I don't, I don't want to turn out exactly like my mom. I don't think. Do you know, realize as you get older, that becomes less of a thing? You know that? Becomes less of a thing. Here's the attributes. I polled a group of people. There was about four or five people. And I polled them. And I asked them questions. They didn't know I was going to read these answers now. But I said, I want attributes of a mother. Tell me all the things about a mother. Here's some of the things they said. Caring. Loving. Selfless. And then the person that said that said, well, wait a second. That's not always true. I think she was talking about herself, but maybe not totally. So... Selfless, naggy, you're like, this was supposed to be happy. Just own it, okay? Just own that a little bit. I don't necessarily think those are bad things. I really don't. I think moms are supposed to be always on you, especially when kids are younger. You just got to be on them, on them, on them, or they'll never brush their teeth. They'll never take a bath. They'll never wear the right clothes. Our middle son, he's not here this morning. They are honeymooning because they never got to in Mexico on Mother's Day. What is wrong with that boy? But he would come home. We would buy him a new coat, and he would come home the very first day with no coat. After a while, I was, in, I was standing there listening to this, and I thought, this seems a little harsh. But I was standing there when Linda said to him, I am not buying you any more coats. You can freeze to death as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and he left with no coat on. And he looks at me as he's going out. I was like, I'm not crossing her. I got a coat. You're on your own. <laughs> Mothers are supposed to be that way, Right? Say, oh, maybe not. Yeah, I think they are. I think God made them that way. More attributes of a mother. Comforting, bossy, enabler. That's good and bad too, by the way. Mothers enable their children to do things that nobody else can enable them to do. Nobody has the ability to talk kids into things moms can talk them into. And that's good. Sometimes being an enabler is bad. We understand that. You can take it too far. I've seen many times when moms become too much of an enabler. I'll give you one in today's society that's not a healthy thing, but it has become the norm, okay? Is because divorce is so common nowadays, we have allowed there to be a societal switch within the church thinking that I have sat with many couples that are getting divorces. And, you know, they come to me as like a last-ditch effort to try to fix this. And they say, well, we need to get this divorce. It's, it's, best, it's best for the children. Now, there might be a possible occasion that I cannot come up with right now where it would be best for the children. But that's not the way God's Word says it is. God's Word says 
that mom and dad cling to each other and eventually the children leave. But what happens is we cling to the children and we let the spouse leave. Because that's a, that's a very harmful thing long term. There's relationships that are hindered because of that. I'm saying future marriage relationships that are hindered because mom and dad taught the child that the union between the mom and dad is not sacrosanct. Right? I'm not, I know there's, there's many divorces in here and blended families. I'm not trying to pick on that. I'm just trying to say, look, we've got to look at this stuff. We've got to think about this stuff. These things are important for us to process from God's point of view and not just ours. That, that God has designed moms and dads to cling to each other. Enable your children in a good way, but be careful that you don't enable them in a bad way. Because it's easy to do. It's easy to cross that line. And I think that mothers are probably more susceptible to this than fathers are. Although I, that's not always true. Here's some more attributes. Unfailing love. Your mama will love you when no one else will. Isn't that right? Resilient. Moms are resilient. Moms are overbearing. Moms are protective. And those usually go hand in hand. Doesn't it? Mom can be so protective that it can become overbearing. But here's the thing. Moms are supposed to be protective. I think that's, I, I, I think that's a, um, I think that's a thing. But you got to be careful that it doesn't become overbearing in the process. Forgiving, attentive, strong, loyal, and moms are loyal. I mean, I mean, I'm talking in a perfect world. I understand there's many examples in this room where mom wasn't loyal. I get that. Some examples in this room where mom was never around. You didn't know your mom. I understand that. But here's something I think is interesting. Is this, this is part of the reason that I know this is a spiritual thing. Being a mom is a spiritual thing. And understanding um, being connected to mom is a spiritual thing. And I, I said this um, at the Capitol. I was, I was uh, co-sponsoring a bill on um, parental rights. It never got out of committee because uh, Democrats don't like parental rights. And they, they voted to let 12-year-old um, children have sex change surgeries without mom and dad's approval, okay? That's not people that care for their children. I, I know that makes me a meanie to say that, but that's just the truth, okay? The Senate actually uh, amended that and made it so that they could still have the sex change surgeries at 12, but they had to let mom and dad know, which is at least better, Right? But I said this in the parental rights thing. I was trying to submit the bill, and I thought, you know, I've got my time here, and, and they're not going to let this pass anyway. I'm just going to preach a whole sermon. And I talked to them about the fact that, that being a parent is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. God, God creates um, men and women to procreate, right? God does that. It's, it, um, I, didn't, I don't think I finished Genesis chapter 1. I want to go back there. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. The very first thing he tells Adam and Eve is multiply. That's the greatest thing you can do as a human. That's the greatest responsibility you'll ever have as a human 
is a parent. Being a parent. It's more important than anything you'll do at work, anything in society, anything. is being a parent. It's the most important thing. And it's right off the bat. He says, I'm going to create Adam. I'm going to create Eve. Now go multiply. That's a God thing. And, and I know there are, there are women that never have the ability to, to biologically have children. But that doesn't mean God takes that desire to be a parent away from you. That's why, that's why we have adoption and fostering and all this other kind of stuff. Because being a parent doesn't mean you have to give birth to the person. In fact, just because somebody gives birth doesn't mean they're a parent. Right? But God puts that within you and it never goes away. That's why moms can be loyal to a point where it doesn't make sense to anybody else around them. They can be loyal. They can be committed. They can be connected. Always in your corner. That's, that's good and bad, right? You don't want them in your corner when you're standing in the corner. You want them in their corner when they're cheering you on. Right? They got your back. But the mom that will cheer you on in the good times is the mom that needs you to stand in the corner sometimes. In fact, this, this is a big one. I've always thought this, and I know this is probably, well, this is countercultural too. But I think it's, it's good when parents, when people become parents young in life rather than older in life. There's some benefits to older. You got more money, right? But that's not always a benefit, when you're like 21 and you have kids, you don't know all the mistakes you're going to make. And that's usually beneficial to the child, mostly. Right? When the, when the, now, the, we, I've seen a major shift in society today. Young parents nowadays... They act like they're 35 or 40 having kids when they, and they're overprotective and the, they don't discipline like they should and all this other kind of stuff. We've gotten, we've gotten way too overprotective for our kids. Back in my day, we, ate, we went out and ate dirt. Our parents didn't mind. You come back in, you got, you got a little mud right there. We, it, was, it was a different time frame. We tell this to young parents now and parents, parents think we're crazy. I, so I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Let me ask the question. I'll let you answer the question for me. How did you know when you were supposed to come home? When the street lights came on. Young parents now are like, yeah, but we can't let them go out onto the sidewalk. And I know there's more dangers today. I'm not, I'm not naive to that. But come on. Most of my generation lived. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. More attributes of a mother. Always right. How many, how many moms say, yeah, that's truth right there. Always right. How many of you wish your mothers didn't think they were? Right? I mean, there's both sides to that coin. Mothers are nurturing. Mothers are honest to a fault. I was a grown man. I was a youth pastor of a church. My parents came to visit me. And we all are getting ready to go to church. 
and I, I come out and, and, I'm, and I'm wearing a suit. I'm wearing a suit. And um, my mom stopped and said, are you going to wear that? I'm like, I'm a grown man. I want to wear what I want to wear. And then I went back and changed. <laughs> Mothers are honest. And a good way, too. Mothers have the ability to look through all the stuff and the junk and say, no, you're special. And you can believe it. Because mom knows and she's being honest. She's not just fluffing you up. She knows you're special. Right? Depends on how you define special. But everybody else is like, yeah, they're special. Tough love. Moms can be the epitome of tough love. And guys, we need that sometimes. We need that. And moms seem to know which, most of the time, they seem to know which time to have tough love and which not. But we need tough love. As human beings, we need to have tough love. This idea that we're raising these kids nowadays and they have no conflict, they have no negatives, they're, they're overprotected, they're not disciplined, all this stuff. We're creating a generation that, is, that will not be able to deal with the pressures of life. In fact, I'm serving in the capital with many of these people that they have no idea. They get up in the well and they say, now I'm going to present a bill about this and these are the words you can't use because they're harmful and they make people feel bad. And I write every one of them down because I'm going to use them. <laughs> and they, they make a, they t I'm not exaggerating this. I can show you video clips of them saying, now don't, this is one of them. We were talking about drug addiction and they said, now don't use the word addict. And then they gave this weird long phrase that we were supposed to use. And I'm like, no, I got to be the first one up there. And I said, now I'm speaking against this bill because of addicts. You know, drug addicts, addicts, addicts. <laughs> because that's, that doesn't demean the person. Drug addicts know they're drug addicts. What we want to try to do is help them not be addicts. Not pretend like they're not. And we've got a whole generation now that we've created and the following generations coming behind that they're so soft in so many ways they don't know how to deal with life. So then we have to pass bills that say they don't have to pay rent. We passed three of those because they're so soft. The idea that you don't pay rent, I would be ashamed of myself. That's why, moms, you've you got to be tough. Now, not the, not the way dad is tough, right? Moms and dad are supposed to be different about this. My boys, they're both grown. My, my oldest just turned 29. He's about to be 30. And they still know when we're walking around doing whatever and they're in the house, if I just kind of lean in like that, they know I'm going to hit them. <laughs> right? Because they're boys. And they'll try to do the same to me, come up behind me and grab me or do something like that. But it's because we're boys. You can't let a, as a dad, I'm not allowed to let a boy walk by and not hit him in the back of the head. <laughs> right? Shove them, kneecap them, do something. How else are they going to know I love them? <laughs> Guys, am I right? That's the way it is. And then when they're like... <sighs> Mom, dad hit me in the back of the head. She's supposed to go, I know, baby. 
I know, he's a mean person. He's never loved you like mom does. Isn't that, isn't that the way it works? Well, not with the girls. Dads are much easier on girls. We understand that. And moms are ogres to their daughters. You guys, this is, God's given you something called motherhood that is unequaled. Unequaled. Here's a couple more. The tough love, authoritative, compassionate. Moms can be compassionate in ways other people are not. I, I remember one of my favorite mom stories from Linda over the years. Um, our, our son, Isaac, our second one, he was in football, Little League football. And it was about fifth or sixth grade, something like that. And we were at his game. We were talking, you know, all his games, all his stuff. And, and we're standing on the sidelines because in that, you don't have stands and stuff. You just stand on the sideline. And when, you're, when your kid gets hit really hard, he comes over to mom and dad crying. And then you say, no, you need to go back to the coach. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, so you stand on the sidelines. And, and um, we're standing on like the 40-yard line. And uh, the, the quarterback through the pass, it was the other team. And Isaac, who's standing right in front of us, like two feet in, in bounds, and he catches, intercepts it right there, right in front of us. I'm like, go, run, run. This is how I did it. I stood where I was, and I said, run, run. And he took off running, and I watched him. And Linda, who was standing right beside me, shoved me out of the way. And she ran beside him the whole way. This, I've never seen Linda run before or after. She doesn't run. She doesn't like to run. She doesn't enjoy it. She ran beside him. Come on. And then she got irritated because he wasn't running fast enough. So she runs on ahead of him and gets in the end zone. She's like, come on. Come on. And, and I, I could tell Isaac wanted to kind of turn and go to the other side of the end zone. There's something about, I'm I'm not making this up. I'm not lying, am I? No, I'm not. And I'm standing over there, I'm so so embarrassed. Number two, mothers are forever. You know that, right? Mothers are forever. Even if they've gone on before us, they're forever. Moms are are always going to be moms. We, we moved my mom and dad here in January of 2020. COVID hits in February. And um, we got to have, I, I wasn't really around my parents much as an adult. Um, they were in Texas. We were always somewhere else. And uh, so I was glad, you know, move mom and dad here, finally get to spend Mother's Day with mom. I hadn't spent very many of them with her over the years. And... Uh, I didn't, we didn't realize that she was going to pass away in two months. We got that last Mother's Day with her, but that never goes away. There's a, there's a place inside of you that mom belongs that it's always there. It's, it's always going to be there. You know, we were talking about moms being overbearing or, or nagging or something else, but I've talked to many people over the years that wish they could have 10 minutes with mom just so that she could nag them. 
I would love 10 minutes of that. Because mom's mom. Even if she's picking on you or doing something, she's still mom. That never goes away. Moms are eternal. They, and, and here's another thing, that when mom loses a child, before she passes, one of her children passes, I think that's probably the worst thing that a, a mother can go through. I think it's way better. I, I'm not the one who plans all this. I'm not God. But I think it's way better when parents die before the children. And all of this should be of old age, right? When a child dies, man, that's, that's, that never goes away. Mom never lets go of that. I mean, they can, they can do that healthily. They can do that within, within good spiritual peace of God and all that kind of stuff. But it's never the same. We know that. John 19, verse 25. Jesus is on the cross, and it says, Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. All the other disciples were gone, right? It was just John there. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, who's that? That's John. Who wrote the book? John. A little narcissistic in my opinion, but... He said to her, Dear woman, here is your son... And he said to this disciple, here's your mother. From then on, his disciple took her into his home. One of the last things Jesus ever does is to make sure mom's taken care of. That's huge. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin, he touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. When the dead boy sat up and began to t- then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. You know, I, I'm not a, I don't theologically believe in predestination. I believe you're a free will person. You make your own decisions. I believe God has an overarching plan that is going to happen no matter what. But for you, you make a decision every day. You make, make hundreds of them every day. You decide what you're going to do, where you're going to go, whether you're going to serve God, whether you're not, all this kind of stuff. I don't believe this was a predestined moment. I think that Jesus' heart was moved with compassion toward this mother. And he reacted How did he react? With the heart of God. He reacted properly. It wasn't outside the scope. He reacted the way that he's supposed to. He created that woman. He created that son. And his heart was broken because the mother was without her son. Now, why is that important to us? Because I believe that what makes a mother a mother is that Jesus, but remember he's, he was also God, that the heart of God within him, he, I don't think he did that supernaturally because he was God. I believe his heart was moved because he was human, but also God. And that heart that was moved is what God puts within a mother's heart. This compassion, this, this I will change everything for my children. I will do anything 
for my children. I believe God puts that within a mother's heart. That's what makes a mother different than anything, anybody. I, I've, been, I've been watching my kids. They're not here, so I'll talk about them. And they're, we want to have kids, and I think they're going to start having kids soon. Lord, you know I want grandkids from them. But they talk about all this stuff, right? How they're going to act and what they're going to do and how they're going to discipline and all these things. They're like, we're going to be tough parents. And then the, their dog comes in. Oh, so it's a good doggy. Oh, so good. You're perfect. <laughs> so guess how they're going to be when they have kids? I know this. I've seen it too many times. They're like, no, nah, we're different. Dogs are different. Okay, whatever. So just have kids already. Number three, moms are spiritual leaders. Proverbs 1.8, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. And I don't think there's a statute of limitations on that. Don't listen. I mean, listen to your mother's. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Stand strong with this. Proverbs 22, verse 6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. I understand that the dad is the, the, uh, the priest of the household, but mom, you, you're the one bringing the spiritual heavy regularly. Very rarely have I ever heard a child say as an adult, I remember dad praying for me. It doesn't mean dad wasn't. But they always say, I remember when mom was praying for me. I knew mom was praying for me. I knew mom was worried about me. It doesn't mean dad was void of all of that. It's just different when it's mom. It's just different. And the last thing, moms, and this one is difficult sometimes, follow God, not your heart. Because your heart will deceive you. Your heart will take healthy enablement and become negative. Your heart will allow the, the healthy nagging, and I do believe that's healthy, to become unhealthy. The, the, the protectiveness, the even overprotecting, which I think is healthy, become negative. You can't let your heart rule the day. You have to let the Holy Spirit, God's Word, rule the day for you. You do that and you'll be just fine. So moms, you know we're going to do this. We need all the moms to stand up. You're not a mom, Sam. All the moms stand up and come up here. And you're going to line up and you're going to face that way because we want to look at you. Let's try to speed it up a little, ladies. It's our day. Let us take our time. There's a lot of moms here. I don't know about you guys, but when I look across these moms, 
I'm so thankful their children mostly look like them. Right? Look out at the dads and you're like, oh. Moms, a couple of things. Mom, you will always be mom. And I want to say thank you. And I think a lot of these people out here want to say thank you. Moms, you're always going to be mom. From, from this age until your great-grandchildren are that age. You're still mom. And we want to thank you. And the, the heart of a child toward their mother is the greatest thing ever. Greatest thing. It warms my heart when I see my children love on my wife. It's wonderful. So I want to pray for you guys. And then you're going to get um, some gifts. Okay? But let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for every single one of these mothers. Lord, there's good times. There's bad times. There's times when everything seems to be going right. And every thing, t- times when everything seems to be going horribly wrong. God, but we know that you've put this within their heart. It's never going to go away. And Lord, I don't think they want it to. So Lord, bless them with your spirit. Bless them with your peace. Peace that goes beyond anything we could understand. Bless them with your peace. God, I thank you for every single one of these mothers. Help them to never take it for granted. Lord, and the younger mothers that are, their their kids are babies and young, give them physical strength. They just need some rest. God, help them with that. Lord, as their children get older, some of these mothers have teenagers. Lord, give them wisdom, discernment, patience. God, as mothers get older, children are grown. God, help them to have the boldness to continue to speak, continue to pray, continue to be mom. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. So moms, probably some of you already know this and already got your uh, gifts, but out on the table out there, There's three gifts. You get chocolate, you get earrings, and you get a pocket knife. And you get all three of those. Okay, you can get all three of those. But don't be doing mixing and matching. You can't get like two chocolates and a pocket knife or something like that. Just get one of each and be happy with it. Moms, thank you. Let's give them a hand. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. Use Mother's Day to do it. God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So hopefully, mothers, you do not have to cook lunch today. Um, Hopefully that's the case. And uh, you guys have a great rest of your afternoon.